0: you're listening to a radio stockdale podcast podcasts that are inspiring interactive and feature various discussions of leadership ethics and law Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me, as always, Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 2022 film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So, since this is a recent film, and it's going to probably, it's already got some Golden Globe nominations and awards, and it's probably going to get some Oscar nominations when the Oscars come out in a couple of days. So I'm going to, we'll throw a spoiler warning for those of you who who haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Yeah. But um, this is a film, it follows a woman named Evelyn. Evelyn is a Chinese immigrant in her 50s or 60s. She lives, she runs a laundromat and she has a little house area behind the laundromat where she lives with her husband, Waymond, and a daughter named Joy. And she also takes care of her elderly father. And the the, 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 at the time the film is taking place, she's preparing for a Chinese New Year party, I believe, at the laundromat, inviting even their regular customers to come along. And she is they're also being audited by the odd IRS a, a IRS agent named Deidre. Is overlooking that and they're getting sort of everything together. They're ev- practically every receipt they have that has something to do with their business, they have to bring it with them and go to the IRS because making sure that the audit goes okay. Mm-hmm. While they're in there, she has a strained relationship with Waymond, she's always busy, she doesn't have time for her husband. And we see Waymond is carrying a paper for divorce, mm-hmm. and he hasn't talked to her, to her about it yet, but he's looking like he's going to try to do it. And she's also strained from her daughter, Joy. Um, Joy, Joy is a lesbian. She is in a relationship with this other woman. And the mother is sort of put off by it. And she doesn't want her father to know about this. So when she introduces her, she's about to tell her to come out to her uh, grandfather. But then she says, oh, no, that's her good friend. Yes. And so all of this is happening. And while they're on their way to the IRS office... Her husband, Wayman, sort of, you know, has the, you know, like a robot, his head goes down, he tunes, tunes back out, and then he says that he is from a different dimension, or different multiverse. Yeah, a the,
1: different universe in the multiverse. Yes, yeah, he, Right.
0: bear with us here, because it gets kind of crazy after this. <laughs> it gets very crazy. Yes, he says that he, the, the, all the all the multiverses are in danger, and yes. that there is a woman named Jobu Topaki, in this in his universe that is going to basically destroy everything and suck everything into a black hole. Right. And and so she and then he get he sort of touches her head and then she gets a look at all the other Evelyns. Yes. in the world and throughout the thing we realize she has this one because we see Evelyn's life is she she was from, you know, lived in China and when she met Waymond he wanted her to go with him to america and that was met with disapproval from her father but she went on and mm-hmm. so she sort of had a strained relationship with her father and they've sort of they have had this laundromat but it hasn't been going particularly well they're kind of just making ends meet and she's always has this frustration because we when they have the irs meeting that there's all these things that she wanted to do like singing or all of the or acting or all these other things that she just couldn't do or right. just un- a lot of unresolved dreams. But yes. she has this review that in one world she did not go with Raymond. She stayed at home and she became a kung fu master. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, because this actress is Michelle Yao and this is she's done. If anybody knows anything about martial arts cinema in Hong Kong, she's a huge star. Maybe it's notably Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But she also goes back to the 80s. She did stuff with Jet Li and Jackie Chan and all these other great martial arts. And she did his, uh, tons of cool, crazy stunts. <laughs> I mean, you watch those movies. I don't know how the heck she was able to do that and not break all her legs. Yes. But so in that world, she's a huge star. But, but you know, she's almost, she feels happy because now in that world, she's so happy. She even says, like, you should have seen me with that when I left you. Like, it was so great. Mm-hmm. And then... Throughout this thing, the other Wayman, who's trying to convert, he keeps coming back and tuning out and right. trying to warn her. And it's revealed that Jobu Tapaki is in, in the universe, her daughter
1: Joy. Yeah, and in the Alpha universe, I guess we should make yeah, this clear. clear. <laughs> um, in the Alpha universe, uh, uh, it was the universe where uh, the people. Um, I guess on that that universe is planet Earth. Were the first to discover what they called verse jumping, yes, which is the ability to jump uh, across uh, these parallel universes and and at least live temporarily within your uh, twin, as it were, in that universe, yes, right? And you have to. so. Evelyn learned how to do it quite well. In the Alpha universe. She, if I'm not mistaken, she ended up dying in that universe. She, she was dead. But yeah. before she died, she really pushed her daughter Joy very hard to do it too. And this is what has led Joy to some sort of a existentialist crisis or something. Because she got to the point where she could, I guess, simultaneously live all the the Joy's lives in all of the multiverses all at once. Which basically means that every conceivable life she has experienced, uh, uh, as long as it's logically possible, she's lived it. And this has led her to, as she puts it somewhere in the film relatively early on, to think, well, you know, if if all of these... uh, uh, possibilities are actual in fact actualities then it really doesn't make any difference which one you do so it leads her to be becoming very depressed and uh, um, feeling like there's no value in the world uh, you know if it's so easy to just do whatever you want it's kind of curious I think it's, it's it's a little bit of a, a curious uh, thought experiment here and that it's a, a family related to uh, one we've talked about in the in the past with some other films, the the Experience Machine, where there's a simulation, and you have the ability to jump in that simulation and and literally live whatever life you want to live. And one of the dangers that was seen with the ease with which you can do that is you become somewhat like a, a maybe a, a drug addict becomes after having used drugs for so long, and um, or somebody that. Uh, finds life far too easy, maybe because they're extremely wealthy, and it just kind of becomes like a game, and that's all it becomes. Um, And she seems to have reached that kind of a point, Joy has. And she's so depressed that she wants to destroy the multiverse. Yes. Using, and I'm sorry I'm jumping in here, but uh, using the... (laughs) the everything bagel, which just cracks me up, which is basically a black hole as far as I can tell. She
0: she says she throws basically everything into this bagel, all the frustrations and anger she's had in her life. She just throws it into that, and she's just hoping that everything gets sucked into that bagel. Yeah. And after a while, Evelyn becomes just fine, whatever. She thinks she gets frustrated after a while. She tries to do it, but then she realized, well, nothing matters anyway. This is going to happen. And, you know, because they're showing the party, but she still hasn't done the IRS audit and done anything. So uh, Deidre, the accountant woman, is coming right there to basically seize all her assets. And she's, you know, she says, okay, whatever. She grabs her husband's divorce paper, signs it, and just basically just lets everything go. Yeah. But then when she... She sees her husband trying to talk to Deidre, the IRS woman, and eventually the Deidre says, all right, I'm going to give you another week. Your husband, you know, sort of told me what you're going through. I lived through the same thing. I was, you know, I had a meltdown when my husband wanted to divorce. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and then she sees, because she's always had a dislike for her husband because she blames him for not, you know, for her failed dreams, but she sees her husband as sort of meek Mm -hmm. and weak. Yeah. But she has this conversation in the one world where she left him and became this big actress and he says and you've always think that i'm weak you know that you see the world as bad And he's like well i live the same things you do so i know i'm not i'm not blind to all the terrible and misery in this world but you know he's he has this positive outlook try to make things better mm-hmm. and she realizes that he is, Waymond is strong in his own way. He looks at things different. And there, there's always these big fight scenes with all these people. Because the <laughs> thing is, when people lock into dimensions, they have to do some absurd random act. Like, one. To jump eat, into like, another universe, like, right? Yeah, like, uh, like eat what was it? Like, eat uh, lip balm yeah. or some weird stuff. And always something crazy, like, give yourself four paper cuts. <laughs> so they're all about to fight. And so it's a typical fight scene, but she fights his Waymond, which is a really funny scene. She helps them in some way. Like yeah. two, there's two uh, a hench, like a henchman and a henchwoman. She brings them together, and like they, you can see wedding bells, and they get yeah. married. Yeah. She finds this perfume spray, sprays it in the guy's face, and it reminds him of his wife who passed away. And she does that with every person. Like yeah. One guy has neck problems, so she just hits him in certain ways. His right. neck with karate chops. Yeah. yeah. And then, so then she finally, you know, she changes her view, and she reaches out to Joy. And she, you know, in all the worlds, and then she, you know, in the one world, she, you know, uh, comes to her grandfather and says, my daughter's a lesbian. This is her girlfriend. Yes. And she thinks it made it right, but Joyce still pushes her away and says, just let me go. But then when, you know, she still talks about her, you know, her nihilism. And then, but at the end, Evelyn says, yes, the world is meaningless. It's crazy. But it's sort of, it's, you know, you still... It's, that's not a bad thing. That can be a good thing. It means we can do what we want. We can, you know, do what, be happy and do all these things. And that gets the reconciliation. Joe Putapaki in that world, sort of, you know, the the bagel has now somewhat been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then you can see sort of order balanced. Um, she even reconciles with Deidre, the, the, the IRS woman. They have a sort of reconciliation. And at the end they've it's the next day they're going to the IRS things are much better the D.A. says you know this is much better than it was yesterday we're making serious progress and at the end Evelyn kind of hears all the voices of all her other multiverses and she say they say are you with us like yeah i'm here now and that's yeah. the movie ends and this
1: this it, she has chosen this. to live only in her home universe at that point and she's satisfied with it too mm-hmm. and i think the the, and there's a reconciliation between her and Waymond as well. And yeah, they don't get divorced. They don't get divorced. And the reason being that um, even though he appeared to be weak and wimpy and so forth, uh, he actually had, a, a, as it were, a, a better strategy to deal with the uh, the existential crisis than Alpha Waymond had. Um, and, and that is to... Uh, uh, as you said, recognize the uh, absurd elements of the multiverse you know and I, like I said earlier, they do a very good job with this uh, uh film in exploring the uh, uh what it exactly would mean to say that a multiverse exists where every conceivable logical possibility uh, we uh, see one. Does take place um, because that leaves out only things that are logically contradictory as being impossible to exist. So you have all these crazy things yeah, my, going my on. World
0: is the one with the hot dog fingers, people.
1: <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, she Wayman has made the case, and she eventually tries to make the case with Joyce said, look. You know, that actually, <laughs> the absurd elements actually make it kind of fun to live like this. First of all, but second of all, more importantly, even though it is the case that um, um, uh, the universe is so fulsome in this way, and it might lead you to kind of a a depression and uh, asking yourself, well, what's what's it all worth? Why are we bothering with this, right? She makes the point that still, or her and Wayman actually end up making the point that still it is the case that um, even though um, all of that's true, uh, uh, at core, the human beings that are involved in, in the story, and um, apparently all of the universes, all of them still have that need for, and uh, will not be fulfilled without it uh, connection with other human beings and actually caring about them and weyman ha- our world's wayman has that down right maybe maybe alpha Wayman doesn't quite have that down yet but um, um she gets it finally after he gives that speech or he says just let's be kind you know, it doesn't matter what el- whatever else is going on. Let's just try and be kind to each other. And that stops all the fighting and mm-hmm. so forth that's going on in that particular scene. And that you're right, that's what hits Evelyn hard. And she realized, yeah, there's nothing preventing us from still being kind. We do not have to make that choice to be cold, indifferent, nihilistic, sarcastic, and even brutal with other people. Um, they're still there. They're still capable of suffering. Right. And we can prevent that, but we can also help them. And she has that relatively quick turnaround at that point and decides not to go into the black hole donut or sorry, Mm -hmm. black hole bagel with joy. Um, um, It's a it's a different reaction to the the uh, absurd fulsomeness of this, the metaphysics in this in this universe. But it's just as plausible as the more nihilistic one. Um, and, and they, they do a great job with this, you know, a, 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 and, and I just looking at it, um, having, having, uh, uh, done my PhD work at uh, Wayne State University in Detroit, which is a, uh, program that was heavily analytic in, in nature, um, which means they, they concentrated a lot on some, um, um, mathematical logic and the interpretations of this. Well, it brought to mind um, uh, some of the some of the uh, philosophers that have been dealing with that over the years. There's one guy named Dave Lewis, David Lewis, who came up with uh, uh, an interpretation of language that uses uh, modal terms. We we, we use these, these kinds of words all the time, uh, and they, they indicate possibilities, uh, levels of possibility, as it were. Um, the word necessity, the word probable, the word possible, could, may, might—all of this language—you um, um, can, you can. If you're a philosopher, you can geek out and try and figure out. Well, what is it that makes uh, sentences that use those words true? Right? Because they're talking about things that, uh, strictly speaking, are not actual. Right. So, for instance, uh, it's easy to uh, say, you know, uh, uh, the sentence, this Coke can, I'm holding up a Coke can, folks, is red. What makes it true is that this Coke can is there and it's, it's, it's red. Um, uh, no modal issues there. But um, wh- what makes this sentence uh, true or meaningful, you, you might say, um, the Detroit Lions could have won the Super Bowl this year, right? It makes sense, Um, but it has that word could in it. Well, Lewis says, he he adopts a position called modal realism. He says, well, when we use sentences of that type, um, what we're in fact doing is talking about other what some people call possible worlds right now he interprets that to mean that parallel to our universe there is another universe that from the point of view of somebody inside that universe is is just as real as our universe is to ours right so you're somehow tapping into (laughs) that other universe And uh, you're able to make that statement because of that. So for all you Lions fans out there, there is a possible universe where the Detroit Lions have won every single Super Bowl ever played. Okay? It's not ours, obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But uh, that's the idea behind modal realism. So uh, this movie takes that idea and runs with it. Uh, Like I said, on that fulsome reading where every logical possibility exists. We even have the logical possibility illustrated in this film where Evelyn and Joy are apparently two sentient rocks. (laughs) This is a very quiet part of the film. another
0: one where they're um, pinatas. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And the two quiet rocks are just having a nice little conversation. About uh, uh, the universe, the meaning of life, and so forth. It's it's kind of a nice, quiet little episode in this crazy film. Um, And, uh, you know, there are other ones, like you said, with the hot dog fingers. There's a little send off of 2001 there with the apes, with they have these hot dog fingers. It's hilarious. But all of these are logically possible worlds. So he takes that and he kind of runs with that and uh, asks us to consider what it would be like if if you could tap into um the set of skills and experiences that your twin has your twins have in other parallel universes and then make use of those in your own world right and at first it's very empowering right uh, with Evelyn. She's a little disoriented at first, but then she realizes wow, this is great. I, I can do a hell of a lot with this. Joy apparently had the same kind of experience as well, but at some point, uh, they mention this two or three times in the film, uh, you're going to have some kind of a neural and I guess emotional overload from, too, as it were, too much experience. And then and then uh, um, you you kind of fall into a, a period of angst not knowing, and we see joy reacting in one way to that, a negative way, a depressed way, wanting to commit suicide, because you can't, as it were, escape all of those multiple uh, dimensions. And Evelyn begins to react that way after actually being convinced by that uh, Jopu, Tupac. Jobu-Tupaki joy in that one world. See, it, it's all meaningless. We might as well just jump into the black hole, the the. Uh, bagel she flirts with that for a little bit, but she doesn't quite go there. She realizes in some way the the multiverse is a uh i 'll say a fulsome reflection of all the possibilities that exist in any one universe, and she's been kind of been given a gift. In seeing all those possibilities and potentialities, even the ones she didn't actually develop in her real life in this one universe. And she, she sees that as a gift, right? And it gives her the ability, and it ultimately gives Joy the ability, uh, to empathize with each other, right? And it draws the family Closer together, and they even end up empathizing with and becoming friends with Deidre, the dreaded IRS agent, mm-hmm. right? But that's kind of neat. Uh, yeah, because there is uh, a
0: good conversation she has with Deidre, where Deidre lets her kind of lets her off the hook, saying, "You know, I went. You know, when my husband, you know, gave me divorce papers, you know, I crashed my car through the neighbor's uh, living room or something along the lines." But she has this line of the world pardon my language the world needs cold hearted bitches like us or something like that you yeah. know it's okay if we're not liked but we need somebody like us And uh, Evelyn says, you know, there's always something about you to love. You know, you don't feel it that way about yourself. And they have, I think they're either vaping or they're having a little smoke together at the end, which is interesting because in that goofy hot dog finger world, her, (laughs) Evelyn and Deidre are in a relationship. Right. And I think it's funny because like every time Evelyn goes into that world, she's all freaked out because the fingers (laughs) and they're always together. So... Deidre in that world is like, why are you pushing me away? <laughs> yeah, and so they're yeah. always like about to break up. But eventually at the end, she, she even says like, even in a world as silly as hot dog fingers, it's yeah. still, there's still something of value because she even uses that to yeah. gain powers with her feet when she's doing combat. Yeah,
1: and, and it, it also it, the, the key thing she learns, probably the most important thing she learns again, is that that world enabled her to get to know Deidre. As something other than evil IRA IRS agent, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah and, you, yeah, and you see that even in that world where she was so envious of, where she becomes a kung fu master and then later big film star, that Evelyn is also frustrated because yes. she has that unresolved relationship with yes. um, Waymond, where they're still kind of on off. Yeah. And it's interesting, if, you, if you're familiar, we talked a long time ago about um, In the Mood for Love, directed by Wong Kar-wai, the films of Wong Kar-wai are very influenced by, in that world, yes. especially with the color palette, but just that idea of, you know, not being able to be with the one you really love. Yes. And she still has that, you know, that, uh, feel like, wondering, should I have gone on with him, even though, uh, even though I had this great career, I still feel like maybe I should have been happy with him. Yes. And it's that thing of where they, why she was chosen specifically this Evelyns because you could have done all these things but you didn't. Yeah. It's like you're living the worst you. Yeah. But at the end, she has that reconciliation with Joy. She says she points out like, yeah, you are kind of fat. You you are kind of this. You're stubborn, but there's still no other place in the world I'd rather be than with you.
1: Exactly right. And uh, in Evelyn's case, she isn't actually the worst you. She's just a different version of you, so to speak. And every one of the other ones can look at every one of the other Evelyn's, and always think, oh, the grass is greener over there. I, I, that, that person's uh, having a life more fulfilled than I am. And they all make them the same mistake in saying that because all of them have some lack, right, that they have. Uh, they need to come to terms with it, recognize it, and do what they can to make up for it in their worlds. And she kind of realizes that at some point there.
0: Even in another funny bit was because she's talking about how the brains are being controlled. She was comparing it to the movie Ratatouille, the <laughs> Pixar film, but she confused it with Raccoon. It was a raccoon instead of a rat. Yeah. And, but in this world, she's working with the chef who has a raccoon under his hat showing him how to cook. How to cook yeah. And the funny thing is that the raccoon is singing. The is singing is ra- voiced by Randy Newman. Randy so it's like they Newman. got the wrong Pixar movie, <laughs> right? So that's hilarious. Yeah. But at the end, where she's jealous because they're saying, "Oh, why do you, can't you be more like him?" because <laughs> yes. nobody believes he has a raccoon under his hat. Yeah. When she's going through that nihilistic phase, she grabs the hat exposes the truth and the raccoon gets taken away. He's still Randy Newman singing. But she thinks like, oh, now I got my payback. But when she goes the more of Wayman helping, she helps that chef get Get his his raccoon Because she
1: jumps on and she's the raccoon at that point. That's hilarious. Now, this all sounds insane. You have to see the film. This will make sense if you see the film. That's hilarious. And, you know, uh, hat tip to the filmmakers for including Randy Newman in the voice work. I guess he's kind of ill now. He's had to cancel a tour. I hope he does okay.
0: But it, it, you bring about the filmmakers. This is uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart. Daniel Kwan is Asian. I don't believe Scheinart is. No, probably but, not. Um, they, like, if you've seen familiar with their other films, they did uh, the, the Swiss Army Man was the first film they did together, and that's a very absurd take, but it has a lot of deep themes, but uh, it's even through this film, because it's just like so quick and fast paced and oh my goodness, choppy yes. edited with jumping all this place, and like you'll hear a snippet of like five, ten seconds of a song, and then it'll do another f- snippet of five, ten seconds of another song. That is actually uh, uh, Daniel Kwan who has ADHD, so you can almost see him like reflecting that onto his film where a lot of the criticisms of films you could say is over edited it has too many cuts they say oh it's like adhd style editing like you could say this film has adhd style editing but it's not a criticism it's actually a compliment it's a
1: reflection of what it would be like to live in 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 a way where you could jump into these other you would you would of necessity have adhd in that in that kind of a situation it'd be very hard to take and you can see evelyn getting distracted by when she jumps into a particular world to make use of a particular skill particularly the kung fu world um, or or the world where she's a kung fu star and a a martial arts master she wants to stay there you get distracted you forget that you're you got a job to do and hey you know I'd be surprised if not everybody had ADHD if the world if the world was indeed like this and we all were kind of stuck with this ability to to do this or even look into those worlds even if you couldn't tap into the skills just looking into them you you would tend to be sucked in and forget about what you were doing when you first jumped in so interesting and maybe that is a reflection in what it is like to have adhd because uh, you know we've all we've all we've all had those kind of issues with attention and distraction and so forth and i think uh in a way um modern media environment tends to do that too people with their smartphones with their computers um, all this stuff is very distracting and it doesn't uh, allow you to uh concentrate on your tasks so you have to You have to compensate for that in some way. Deal with it. And uh, Evelyn ends up getting pretty good at that, actually.
0: Right. Getting close to the end of my questions here. Anything else you want to bring up before we sign off? Two things I did want to bring up. One is, is, I think, one of the things due to the success of this film, James Hong has now had his uh, name etched on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which I think is a cool thing. Oh, that's good.
1: That's overdue for him.
0: Yeah. And so that was a cool thing, and also is this is eight twenty four Studios and this was a huge hit because it it- it grossed over a hundred million dollars for a film like this that's pretty impressive, and this was a film that got a lot of word of mouth i mean the fact that it's actually getting Golden Globe and Oscar nominations for a film that came out in March when all the stuff that usually gets the award seasons is stuff that comes out October, November, December. That's really impressive. And so I'm really glad this movie is getting this recognition because it really deserves it. Yeah, and what
1: I have, my, my kind of parting shot, I think, is I'm very impressed with the uh, ability of the of the filmmakers to pre- present a world that... And, or, present a story that makes use of the multiverse, right? Uh, in a way that still is very clear and easy to follow. You can We can think of other films that are like this to some extent. Maybe not exploring multiverses, but maybe the ability to time travel. Yeah, Primer, that's a confusing movie. Oh, well, and uh, uh, Tenet, very confusing, very hard to follow. Yeah, it's not a multiverse story, but it's a time travel story. These guys manage... To make it very easy to follow, and you 're jumping between at least a dozen different universes in this film and they manage to keep it very clarified, easy to follow, and on top of it it 's just a romp. This is a comedy the first I can think of that takes seriously <laughs> the idea of a multiverse and takes seriously the idea that uh, 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 one of the pills, one of the absurd pills you have to follow or swallow if you actually maintain that a multiverse exists is um, having to admit that uh, there are going to be some universes, some of those parallel universes that are kind of farther away from ours that are absurd, are absurd. Um, uh, Some people that, Propound the theory of multiple universes and modal realism, kind of balk at saying that. No, 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 they can't be. They have to. They have to be more or less similar to ours. And others say, nope, nope. If, if you're talking logical possibilities here, that's uh, and every logical possibility is is going to be realized in some parallel universe, at least one of them. And especially if you think that the set of parallel universes is in fact infinite you're committed to that view and this film says okay we're committed to that view and here's some crazy absurd universes we're going to throw at you there's a a a universe where the main characters are drawings on a sheet of paper remember that one when they're fighting there's the that that one i particularly liked where uh um joy and evelyn are a couple of rocks (laughs) on a cliff kind of overlooking a nice very scenic but View in a universe that has no life, and they actually make reference to that. this is a universe of joy's telling evelyn this this is a universe where the uh, uh initial conditions for life never quite took place, so this is all there is yeah. <laughs> you know it's great i mean they're taking this stuff very seriously I, I i I would bet money that one or more of these writers here has read some literature and philosophy on um uh modal realism, uh, the notion of possible worlds. And they just said, let's go to town with this. Let's just see what we can do with it.
0: Great. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and the Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in other podcasts. Real sounds. Each episode dedicate the classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at cinema.automatic.com. So, until next time, I'm Alex Baker,
1: and I'm Sean Baker.
0: Saying, "Let's go, Rakka